The Baltimore Orioles took Game 1 in Seattle on Monday night to clinch their first winning month since August of 2017. Plus, the O's might have more than one All-Star on this team. And we'll take a look at who could be headed to L.A. in July on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, coming to you from the road once again. Again, bear with us that set up here if you're watching on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Not my usual background with all the Orioles gear in the back, but still bringing you O's coverage. And do want to apologize quickly off the top. Again, as I mentioned on Monday's episode, the episodes for today and tomorrow are going to be coming out at a different time. So expect them, you know, right around, you know, 10 or 11 a.m. Eastern time. So I'm able to recap these late West Coast games as I'm on the road and get you more O's content. But then Thursday and Friday, we'll be back to our usual schedule posting the audio and the video episodes. But through all that, we thank you so much for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. Sticking with us here, again, still Monday through Friday, all your Orioles content. Make sure to subscribe, follow the pod, leave a rating and a review wherever you listen. And specifically, if you could subscribe to the Locked on Orioles channel on YouTube, that would be fantastic. We're now over 500 subscribers and hopefully growing. Leave some comments, like the videos, do anything you can on the YouTube channel. It's very appreciated that you make Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. And your first listen today comes about an O's win and about which Orioles could be all-stars. But it's all coming up on this episode which is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. And just use the code LOCKEDON at checkout. So we start today with another Orioles victory. As the O's win it 9-2 in Seattle on Monday night in Game 1 of a three-game series against the Seattle Mariners, bumping the Orioles to 35-40 and 40 on the season with now a better record than the Seattle Mariners. A lot of people's pick to win the AL West, a team that came just two games away from making the postseason in 2021. They added to their team this offseason. The O's have a better record. I mean, there's something about being five games under 500 as well. Like When you look at the record the O's have right now at 35-40, and 40, it feels a little different. They're pretty close to 500. Just amazing to watch it happen. But I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 9-2 win over the Mariners on Monday night. And the first thing you need to know, of course, is that the O's hit five home runs. The ball was flying out of T-Mobile Park on Monday night. And as I tweeted, it was all against the Mariners starter, George Kirby, the rookie who has been just awesome so far this year for Seattle, but he allowed seven runs on nine hits over just four innings of work. He allowed four of those five homers. And as I said, George Kirby, more like George Home Run Derby on Monday night. Thank you. Thank you. But for the Orioles, five home runs, and it started early. Now their first two runs, one in the first, 
on an Adley Rutschman RBI single, one in the second on a Cedric Mullins RBI double. Those were not home runs, but the home run party started in the third inning for the Orioles. And not only did they hit five home runs in this game, but they had two separate sets of back-to-back home runs. Now, the long ball started in the third with Adley Rutschman hitting his third career homer, 99 off the bat, 347 to right field, just slipped over the yellow line in right. And he was followed up by Ryan Mountcastle, who went deep to go back-to-back for the O's, 103 off the bat, 384 on the distance. So Mountcastle had tied Santander for the team lead in homers. So what did Santander have to do? Well, he had to take that lead back. And in the fourth inning, to finish off an epic 12-pitch at-bat, Santander launches a ball to right field, 110 miles per hour off the bat, 397 feet for a two-run homer that makes it 6-0 Orioles. And, of course, they have to go back-to-back. So Austin Hayes on the very next pitch, hanging breaking ball, goes over the left field wall at 108 off the bat, 371 feet to make it 7-0. And then for good measure, after Penn Mumphrey had entered out of the Seattle bullpen, Jorge Mateo goes dead center for a solo shot in the sixth, 103 off the bat, 401 feet just over the outstretched glove of Julio Rodriguez for a solo homer that made it 8-1 at the time. Just so fun to watch this offense cook on Monday night. I mean, they were just teeing off on George Kirby like really no one else has so far in his young major league career. And we know how good the bullpen's been and the starting pitching has been taped together. But if the offense is going to hit like we think it can, which was Monday night, look out for the Baltimore Orioles. Second thing you need to know from this one is that I think I'm ready to say it. The 2021 version of Cedric Mullins is pretty much back. Now, we know the power numbers haven't been what they were last year when he obviously had a 30 home run season, but Mullins goes two for four on Monday night with two doubles, an RBI, and a walk in the game, bumping his average to 258, OPS to 698. Mullins is now hitting 308 in the month of June. And remember, we're at June 28th. That's basically, a, you know, he's going to end the month most likely hitting over 300. He's 9 for 22 in his last five games. That's a 409 average, which includes four out of his last five games. He's had multiple hits. He is getting on base. He's stealing bases. Again, the homers aren't there, but everything else is. And what else he showed last night and over the last month, just the incredible defensive plays, that crazy catch he made Sunday. He makes an awesome diving catch to end the eighth inning on Monday night. He's tracking down everything in center field. He's looking like that player that we saw have such a special season in 2021. Third thing you need to know from this one is that despite a really, really short leash, Tyler Wells was very effective on Monday night. He makes the start for the Orioles and goes five innings, allowing just one run on one hit, three strikeouts, and no walks. And his only run, his only hit he allowed was a solo home run in the bottom of the fifth inning hit by Cal Raleigh. Up until that Cal Raleigh home run that came with two outs in the fifth, Tyler Wells was four and two-thirds perfect innings against the Mariners, and then Raleigh hits the solo homer to get them on the board, make it a 7-1 to game. But Wells would then finish off the fifth inning. Now, he did only throw 63 pitches through five innings, but was done, and many were confused. 63 pitches, five innings, he was perfect for a while. Why is he coming out of the game? Well, first, you know, for Tyler Wells, the Orioles have him on an innings limit and a pitch count limit pretty much throughout this entire season. You know, because Wells had Tommy John, 
in 2019 in the twin system, didn't pitch in 2020 because COVID canceled the minor league season. And then last year as a rule five pick, the Orioles exclusively used him out of the bullpen. So they're trying to build him back up into a starter. And we all know he's been the Orioles best starting pitcher this year, but they still want to limit those innings. And now most days, Wells is going to go more than 63 pitches. The O's have tried to hold him to around 80 pitches per start. But on the question of why only 63 when he was rolling like this, well, you know, he leaves the game. It's 7-1. to one. The O's tack on another run in the top of the 8th. You know, heading to the bottom of the 6th, the O's lead this game 8-1 to one with just 12 outs to get. So you feel like you can take him out. But more importantly, Tyler Wells threw 95 pitches to get through 5 innings in his last start. The Orioles really don't want to have him throwing 90-plus pitches in any start. So Brandon Hyde said before Monday's game that it might be a short leash on Wells just because of the amount of tax on the arm in his last start. That's what we saw. Of course, you know, he was dominant. Probably helped Brandon Hyde a little bit that he gave up that two-out homer, ended the shutout, ended the perfect game, ended the no-hitter. You didn't have to kind of keep him in for that sense. You could just take him out. And, uh, you know, I get it. I'm, I'm on board. It worked out, and they had such a big lead that, you know, even though you're taking out one of your best pitchers, obviously it didn't really matter in the end of this game. But in terms of, you know, what Wells was throwing, I mean, it was over 50% fastballs. The fastballs were effective. He got seven whiffs on 16 swings on that fastball. Seven of his 11 whiffs came on that pitch. Velo was a little bit up. Uh, he was 94 to 96 with that four-seamer. The slider... Looked good, only threw 13 of them, but he got a couple of whiffs. Velo was up on that pitch. He was 89-91 on the slider. You know, was working in the changeup a bit. Not too many curveballs, but just liked what I saw from the stuff. And it was five efficient and, and fairly dominant innings for Tyler Wells. Fourth thing you need to know is that the Orioles only used two relievers, despite Tyler Wells going five innings. And that's because Keegan Aiken was dominant and he was extended. In this game, now Joey Crable relieved Wells in the sixth inning and got the first two batters out via the strikeout, then allowed a single, and Crable left the game with two outs and a runner on in the sixth, and in came Keegan Aiken, and all Aiken did was just pretty much roll through the lineup. Now, he had a little bit of trouble right when he came into the game, let a couple of base runners in, let that one run score to make an 8-2 to two game. And then Aiken locks down and finishes this game for his first save of the season. Now, you're saying, how is it a save? The Orioles won by six. Well, if you pitch the final three innings or more of any game and you win, no matter what the score is, you get a save. And Keegan Aiken goes three and a third scoreless out of the bullpen, allowing just one hit. Now, he did walk two, but he struck out three, and he only threw 43 pitches in three and a third innings, lowering his ERA to 2.35 on the season. Only two hard-hit balls against Aiken. Wells only allowed three hard-hit balls. Crable didn't allow any. Five hard-hit balls in nine innings for Orioles pitching. That is a ridiculous number. But for Keegan Aiken, just like Tyler Wells, who was kind of pounding four-seam fastballs, that's exactly what Aiken did. 27 of his 43 pitches were four-seamers. He got all seven of his whiffs on that four-seam fastball, which was sitting at its usual, you know, 93-94. Threw a couple of sliders in there, a couple of change-ups just to mix it in, but was going high fastball, high fastball. And while he didn't get a huge amount of strikeouts, he got three. He got a lot of lazy fly balls and pop-ups with that pitch as well. That helped him be efficient to finish out this game. And, uh, you know, just did a good job of not letting this get interesting, just rolling through the Mariners' order and locking down the win. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this win, I mentioned it already, 
the Orioles have clinched their first winning month since August of 2017. The win on Monday night got the Orioles to 14-10 and 10 here in the month of June. Only two games remaining in the month, both these games against Seattle. So they have to have a winning month. Their last winning month, August 2017, when they went 17-12, and 12, keeping their head above water in the wildcard race that year before they completely fell apart in September of 2017. But this is another step in the rebuild. Have a winning month where you play good baseball. That has been this June for the Baltimore Orioles. It has been fun to watch. And here's hoping to another winning month comes up that makes things a whole lot more interesting, maybe, in the month of July. But for the Orioles, you know, we saw Austin Hayes hit a home run in this game, as I mentioned. We didn't see Jorge Lopez because the O's had such a big lead. Trey Mancini in the lineup in this game as well. Unfortunately for him, didn't get in on the home run party. Just missed one to the warning track. Still had a double in this game. And we saw Keegan Aiken pitch really well as well, as did Tyler Wells. And all those guys maybe have an argument to get into the All-Star game in July. But the question is, which Orioles will head out to L.A.? for the 2022 MLB All-Star Game. We'll try to break down who has the best cases and who will be on the All-Star team from the Orioles coming up in just a second. But first, got to tell you about BlueNile.com, the online jewelry store that is perfect for finding that perfect gift. Because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at Blue Nile. And if you're looking for fine jewelry, but you really don't know what you're looking for or you have a lot of questions, you just have trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat, to help you find a memorable gift at every single budget. So make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. So use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON plus... Every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. And today's episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. Because with all the makes and models, all the different cars out there that you may drive, it's so tough to find the part you need at your local chain store or the dealership. So why endure often pointless seemingly intimidating questioning, have someone behind the counter just try to prove to you that they know more than you about cars. Instead, avoid all the hassle. You've got a computer. You've got a phone. Head to rockauto.com. They've got everything you need. You save time. You save money when using rockauto.com. And their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And for me, I know nothing about cars but rockauto.com still makes it easy to find what I need for my car. That's why this website is so great. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On Orioles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So the Orioles beat the Mariners 9-2 on Monday night to open a three-game series with a victory, get to 35 and 40 on the season. And the O's have had a great year so far, especially versus their expectations. And kind of the next question that comes up, you know, we're getting close to July. And before we get to trade deadline talk, 
we get to All-Star Game Talk, which is being played at Dodger Stadium in L.A. this year. And a lot of people have talked about who will be the Orioles' representative or maybe representatives on this team. Because, as we know, every team in Major League Baseball, all 30 of them, are guaranteed at least one player on the All-Star Game. Last year, the O's had Cedric Mullins starting in the outfield, which was awesome to see in that game. And the O's will have at least one guaranteed player. But the question kind of becomes, could they and should they have more than one player? And I wanted to use today to kind of break down the cases of a handful of guys who have at least an outside chance of making the All-Star Game for the Orioles. So let's start on the hitting side, because maybe there's more cases there, more interesting, compelling cases for the hitters from the Orioles. And I think the number one option of an Orioles hitter to get to the All-Star game is Austin Hayes. Let's start with him. Now, he was 19th on the AL outfielder voting, the first voting update for fan voting for the starters. Second voting update came out on Monday. Austin Hayes was not in the top 20. So we know he's not going to be voted a starter. He shouldn't be voted a starter. There's guys with better stats. I mean, Trout and Judge are playing like they should be starters. They're going to be voted as starters. We know those two are locked in. The third's going to be interesting. It's probably a race between George Springer and Giancarlo Stanton for the voting. Both of them are at least probably deserving of the All-Star game anyway, but because of the fan bases, the way the fan voting does, it's it's hard to fix, but it is what it is. Those are probably your starters. But for Austin Hayes, the question kind of becomes, you know, where does he rank among AL outfielders? And it's interesting to look at because there's a couple guys in the race who actually are not technically qualified via fan graphs per their plate appearances, but are very close to qualified. Byron Buxton and Taylor Ward both have over 200 plate appearances. Austin Hayes just shy of 300. But those two guys have been so good as well that they're certainly in the conversation. So if you look at Austin Hayes and you include the guys like Buxton and Ward, who are a little lower on plate appearances, Hayes right now is seventh in F-War on Fangraphs. That is Fangraphs War. He has 1.7. That's going into play on Monday. So this stats don't even include uh, the home run that he hit on Monday night. He is seventh in WRC Plus as well. Came in with a 132 WRC Plus on the season. Seventh in slugging percentage. Eighth in batting average. Fourth in weighted on base average. He is fifth in OPS at 818. And he is fourth in win probability added. A good stat that kind of shows how much a team means to, or how much a player means to a team's win probability, you know, per game. And at 1.96, he's fourth among AL outfielders. So basically all those stats are to say he's right in the mix for the All-Star game. Certainly right in the mix with the great season he has had. So in terms of outfielders, you know, we know Judge and Trout will be starters. Let's just assume the voting stays right where it is, which has George Springer of the Blue Jays as that third starting outfielder. So let's say that's the starting outfield, Springer, Trout, and Judge. Trout and Judge, definitely deserving. Springer's more of probably a reserve in terms of his stats, but if he gets voted in, he gets voted in. So behind them, I would say, I would say Kyle Tucker definitely deserves it more than Austin Hayes. He's been fantastic in Houston. So that's a fourth spot. And remember, most years there is six to seven outfielders. We'll say seven, seven outfielders on the American League team. So there's four right there. I would say Giancarlo Stanton is iffy if he doesn't get voted in. And then I would say Byron Buxton and Taylor Ward, I think they both deserve it. But they're not great cases because they both had some injuries this year that have kept them out of the lineup, whereas Hayes has 
luckily for the Orioles, been healthy. So it kind of comes down to Stanton, Hayes, Ward, and Buxton. Four players for probably three spots. So would the players and the coaches in the American League take Hayes over Stanton, over Taylor Ward, or over Byron Buxton? I think it's possible. And I think the fact that he has played all these games while Ward and Buxton have been hurt, and even Stanton has missed time with injury as well. Hayes is the only one out of those four who's pretty much been there almost all season. Hayes had the little hand injury where he missed a couple of games. That's been it so far this year. He's been awesome. And here's the other thing with Hayes. He has that that Stanton doesn't have as much, that Ward doesn't have as much, and even Buxton doesn't have because Buxton has DH'd a lot this year because the Twins are trying to, to manage his load because he's he's had so many injuries. The Hayes defense is above all three of those other players. So I don't think Austin Hayes will be a starter, and I don't think he'll be the next outfielder pick. Kyle Tucker's been so, so good in Houston. But at the end of the day, you look at all those players, I think they're putting Austin Hayes in the All-Star game. Now, he's not going to start. And he'll probably get one at bat near the end of the game. But I think because of the defense, I think he might get a spot over Taylor Ward. I think it's maybe going to come down to Hayes and Ward. And I think because Ward's been injured and the defense isn't as good, I think Austin Hayes is going to get that spot. And it'll be close. But Hayes is right in there. He's in the top 10 in every AL outfielder offensive category. Remember, they take the top seven usually. It's going to be close, but I think he gets in. And then your other case, probably a lesser case, is Trey Mancini who on Monday was 7th among American League DHs in voting. He's not going to be voted the starter DH. Jordan Alvarez is the clear-cut pick to be the starting DH. He's been arguably the best hitter in baseball, not named Aaron Judge so far this year. So he's your starter. Now, most years, the American League will take three DHs on the team. Now, sometimes the guys are... Not really DHs, they play some outfield, they play some first base, whatever, it gets them on the team. Alvarez will certainly be the starter. And then the issue for Trey Mancini is, the two other picks are pretty much locked. And despite Trey Mancini being fourth among ALDHs in WRC+, 126 coming into Monday, fourth in WOBA, you know, he's fourth in most hitting categories. The three guys ahead of him are just locked into these spots. Jordan Alvarez is the starter. J.D. Martinez, who continues to hit in Boston, and then Shohei Otani. There's no way Shohei Otani is not on the American League All-Star team. So unfortunately, despite the great season that Trey has had, I don't see it happening, especially when they would probably take an extra outfielder in a guy maybe like Austin Hayes overtaking another DH in a guy like Mancini. So I don't think he's going to the All-Star game. He should have been there in 2019. He got snubbed. I don't think it'll be as much of a snub this year when he doesn't make it, but he's still been playing great. I just don't see it in the cards for Mancini. But let's turn it over to the pitching side next, because I think just like there's two guys with an argument on the hitting side, I really do think there's two guys, maybe three, maybe four, who have an argument on the pitching side for the Orioles to get to the All-Star game. But first... Got to tell you about betonline.net, your one-stop shop for all your sports betting needs. And now, you know, really all the big events of the spring have passed. College World Series ends over the weekend. Ole Miss takes home the title. Stanley Cup Finals ended over the weekend with the Colorado Avalanche winning it all. But we've still got a full slate of Major League Baseball every single day. You can get all the lines, odds, and news on all of that 
at betonline.net. And hey, there's still UFC, there's still MMA, there's still boxing, and there's still golf every weekend as well on the sports calendar. Hey, the WNBA schedule, MLS, NWSL, still a whole lot going on, and you can check it out at betonline.net. You can even get, again, scores, you can get injury news, you can listen to podcasts on the site as well. It's really your one-stop shop for all your sports wagering needs. So go there to betonline.net on your laptop, on your mobile device, and check out everything it has to offer. That's betonline.net, where the game starts. So we're talking Orioles All-Stars. And can the O's get more than their one guaranteed All-Star to the game this July? And as we turn to the pitchers, the pitching group includes who I think will be the Orioles' one guaranteed All-Star. And that has to be Jorge Lopez. Jorge Lopez is a shoe-in for the All-Star game. 31 appearances this year, a .75, that is a 0.75 ERA for Lopez. He's got 13 saves in 36 innings, allowed just 16 hits, 3 earned runs, 36 Ks, 13 walks, no home runs for Lopez. Allowed 14 straight appearances now for Jorge Lopez without an earned run allowed as well. He's been ridiculous. Now, among American League relievers with at least 20 innings of work this season, Lopez is fourth in ERA. You've got J.P. Fireisen of the Rays, has not allowed an earned run yet. Then you've got Clay Holmes of the Yankees at .52, and then you've got Ryan Stanek of the Astros at .71. He's third in Fangraph's war behind Michael King and Clay Holmes. He's second in batting average against. Only Fireisen is above him. Lopez at 129, and he is third in win probability added. Only Holmes and Joan Duran of the Minnesota Twins are above him in that stat. And I talked about this a little bit last week, but, you know, the American League last year, they had five relievers named to the All-Star team, and then they added two more as injury replacements. In total, they had seven relief pitchers on the American League All-Star team in 2021. Jorge Lopez is top two in the American League. I would say deserving American League relievers, it's Clay Holmes, who's been basically unhittable as the Yankees' closer. And then it's Jorge Lopez, number two. He is a shoo-in. He is definitely a top-five reliever. He's top two. And now, the relief class is a little weaker in the American League than it's been in previous years. So I don't think they're going to have seven relievers. They may not even have five. But your cases are Holmes, number one, and Lopez, number two. And he's getting in. There's no question about it. Unless Lopez gets injured... Please don't have that happen. Jorge Lopez is going to be an all-star. He just has to be. That's how good he's been. Behind him, you know, Michael King has kind of been the stretched out, dominant guy for the Yankees, I would say has a good case. J.P. Fireisen, who I mentioned, he's injured right now, and I don't even think he's going to be healthy with a shoulder injury for the all-star game. So he's out of there. So you don't even have to worry about him with his 0-0 ERA in about 25 innings. You know, Ryan Stanek, the other guy who was a better ERA than Lopez, he's not even Houston's closer He's kind of like a seventh inning guy who's been really good. I don't really see him getting an all-star nod for that. You know, 26-ish innings. Not sure. So really, it's it's Holmes, it's Lopez, and then it's King. And I would say the next pick is probably Emmanuel Classe, Cleveland's closer, who's, you know, had the, the most saves, most save opportunities in baseball. That's probably your four relievers, Holmes, Lopez, King, and Classe, who make the American League All-Star team this year. But, you know, Tyler Wells may be in the conversation with how low his ERA has been, but there's so many good starting pitchers who 
pitch longer into games. Not sure he has a great chance. Felix Bautista has been really good, but just as a setup man on the Orioles, I don't think it's going to cut it. Same with Dylan Tate. You know, his stats have been really good, but I don't think it's going to cut it. But as I looked through the numbers, you know, I, I knew that Jorge Lopez, he's the lock. And, you know, Hayes had a chance. Maybe Mancini has a chance. I think there's a case for Keegan Aiken to be an American League All-Star. We talked about the three and a third scoreless innings he pitched on Monday night. You know, his ERA continues to drop. As I talked about, he's at 2.35 now. And including his appearance on Monday night, Aiken has now pitched 46 innings out of the bullpen this year. That is the most relief innings in Major League Baseball. The next highest is Michael King, who we've talked about being an all-star. And King is at 40 and a third innings. Now, King has been really good, and he's leading all American League relievers in war, and he's had, you know, an ERA lower than Aikens, so I think King is in. But if you're going to put a guy like Michael King in, kind of the swingman, fireman, and you're looking for another one of those guys, Keegan Aiken is maybe the next choice. And if the AL reliever group is a little weaker than it's been, and, you know, you have like guys like Fireisen who aren't going to pitch in the game because of injury. And, you know, maybe you don't want to go with Stanek because he's a middle reliever. And you're not sure about guys like John Duran, who I mentioned, or or other relievers who are in there. In terms of value from a reliever perspective, 46 innings leading Major League Baseball with a 2-3 ERA. Keegan Aiken's been valuable. Nobody's pitched more innings out of the bullpen. And especially if you have some starting pitchers who pitch the Sunday before the All-Star game and they back out, that happens at least once or twice every year, and you're looking for pitcher replacements. I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world to see Keegan Aiken in the All-Star game. I mean, what a turnaround that would be for him. But it's definitely in the cards. But I would say Jorge Lopez is your lock. I think Austin Hayes has a good chance, and the O's should get at least two players in the All-Star Game in July, which will be real, real fun to see those guys on the national stage. But even if they just have the one All-Star, doesn't take away how well the Orioles are playing baseball right now. And they're back on the field tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Orioles and Mariners. Dean Kramer, who's had back-to-back scoreless starts, takes the hill against everyone's favorite pitcher against the Orioles. Robbie Ray goes against the O's in the Tuesday night game. And I'll be back with you here tomorrow recapping Game two between the Orioles and the Mariners and getting you all you need to know from Birdland on Wednesday's episode of the pod. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.